Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Welcome to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. On today's show, Arsenal finally show up when it really matters as they won the first silverware of the season in a dominating performance over Chelsea. Emma Hayes, not so happy. We'll talk about all that and check back in with the WSL as both City and United keep the pressure on the big guns at the top. And seeing as tomorrow's International Women's Day, we thought we'd check in with Brighton's Swedish power couple, Emma Kohlberg and Julia Zigiotti to chat about the highs and lows of elite female sport, using your platform to push for change and the importance of being unapologetically yourself. Rach, another, another big, big weekend. Uh, Conti Cup final, Arsenal taking home the first silverware of the 2022-23 season. Uh, 3-1. I mean, Chelsea scoring in the second minute. I mean, Kerr, fantastic little goal. Um, and then I think everyone just thought, oh, OK, well, Chelsea had it wrapped up last weekend. They got it wrapped up this weekend. And then, boom. A new Arsenal appeared and uh, the, the rest was history. I mean, Rach, you were, you were there. What were your thoughts on it? I was there. Were you? Could you watch it from your prison cell? Were you able to see it from that gloriously echoey room that you have there with those enviably high ceilings that I'm seeing? Yeah, just a bit of context. I'm actually not in prison. I'm actually in my uh, flat, which is being renovated at the moment. I just had the plasters in. So it does look a little bit um, threadbare. Gone for minimalistic with this Kind of scandy, yeah. you know, which is yes. um, topical. Yeah, Absolutely. very nice. That's that's taking the brief a little bit. Like that's hardcore commitment to the pod. But I'll anyway, it like that. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah, well, an exciting game actually. Um, really good. You know, we kind of we get this a lot when Chelsea and Arsenal play. You get a really really good game of football. Really exciting game of football. You know, two kind of titans battling. And I thought Chelsea would edge it um, purely because we've seen. Arsenal in the past where when they played two games we spoke about it when when Arsenal played Man City and they played two games back to back and sometimes I I said this I think on the previous podcast you'll kind of get to either one of two things from Idevel you'll get like 
a tactical masterclass or he kind of focuses too much on what the other team is going to do and tries to like think too much about the other team. And I think at the weekend, what we saw was he focused entirely on Arsenal. He knew that the way they'd played Chelsea in the FA Cup the previous week, it was the right game plan. They just didn't execute it well. Um, And I think that's what we saw was that they focused clearly this week on that game plan and executing it right and finding the areas that they didn't, that they struggled in, um, in terms of execution and they absolutely nailed it. So they had already, I guess, kind of seen the weaknesses and seen where they were, what they were trying to exploit. So they just focused on tightening that up and yeah, it worked a dream. It, it, that's what makes it a surprise though, that Chelsea were so complacent for me. That's, you know, the fact that they'd played Arsenal, Arsenal had dominated, they didn't change anything. Uh, coming into this match, which for me was a surprise. Um, they didn't change the starting 11. Um, and yeah, I guess I would have expected them to say, okay, I know I know, Arsenal didn't score, but they did exploit us in a number of areas. And for some poor kind of target practice in front of goal and kind of lack of finishing, they could have actually won the game. So yeah, I was quite surprised by how Chelsea showed up. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it was just the resilience that Arsenal had. I think um, obviously they've come off the back of, of last week. That's fresh in their minds, that defeat. They've obviously uh, gone two, we've gone 1-0 gone one one down in, in two minutes. And then obviously they've got in the back of their minds also that they've not beaten Chelsea in the last five encounters. So to come into this game, I think it probably felt like a bit of a mental uphill battle. But given how the table standards were, and I think we mentioned this last week, I think we both thought that Chelsea would probably win this game. But for Arsenal, it meant more. Mm-hmm. And I think having that first piece of silverware now I mean that says to me that you know Chelsea you you can't be complacent the season is not wrapped up you are still far from it and now Man City are creeping up the table now they're in and around the runnings you've now got three competitors to who are still who you still got to fight off but um, I mean like you said obviously I know you were there for the sort of the the post-match conference and Emma Hayes giving it absolutely brutal beans and, and rightly so I mean she was sort of saying that you know you've um I mean, looked like a team that had won a lot uh, and they hadn't. Uh, Arsenal were hungrier and it serves a reminder of everything you've got to do to, to stay on top. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're savage comments, but I think they're fair, Rach. What were your thoughts? I think there was a little bit of reluctance maybe to take some accountability for it not being tactically right. Um, and you could see she wasn't happy during the match. She made some, you know, really early substitutions. She brought Buchanan on for Kankovic, pushing Eriksen out, out wide and Charles higher. And then Charles got subbed off at halftime for Leupolds. You know, we weren't kind of seeing the press that maybe we're used to seeing from Chelsea either, which is often led by Kerr. You know, so I don't think she got it right tactically. And yes, players weren't as sharp as we're used to seeing them. You know, there, there seemed to be sometimes a little bit of confusion at the back. Um, but that's also down to how you've tactically set up for a game. Um, so I do think, you know, part of that is a lot of that's on the manager as well. So, it, you know, she did kind of say there was a, a really interesting quote that she said after the match was that when your team's not at it and you have to work that hard as a coach, you already know you're going to have a tough day. It didn't matter what I did because it was about the basics today. Now, of course, it matters what you do. Like you, you obviously, obviously she was trying to change it on the sideline, but there, there it was a combination of players not being at their best, but also tactically getting it wrong. And she was tactically outdone by Ona Seidevel, but I don't think she's ever going to admit that. 
But I think it was beautiful also. I mean, we've got to give massive credit to Arsenal because I think coming off the back of last week, they it, it looked like a fresh team. It looked like a kind of a team that really believed and really wanted it. And I think that gave them the extra edge. I mean, last week, again, they had great, great possession, great possession stats, a lot more than Chelsea. And this week, again, same thing. But this time we're actually seeing that kind of clinical, you know, precision and finishing that we didn't see last week. And that was something that Idaville obviously picked up. And he said, you know what, I've got actually full trust and uh, that, that we've got shooters there. We've got people who can convert goals and chances but um, yeah it's not come to fruition and then this week Blackstinius goes and kicks kicks things off in 15 minutes and then a nice cheeky little penalty um, and yeah the game the momentum completely changed and then Chelsea just lost their heads it didn't look like they had uh, any anything left in them to, to, cut, to bring a comeback There's always obviously something different with a final we always say this and I think for Arsenal with the difficulties they've had this season um, and not just missing you know that key striker but how that that um that collaboration between players has maybe shifted a little bit and while they're trying to figure things out how the defense has looked a little bit shaky at times there is a difference when there's a final you know play coming up against Chelsea in the fifth round of an FA Cup knowing not only do you have to win this match but then there's so many other rounds beyond that to get to the, an actual cup knowing that like the season's difficult you're fighting even just to get third place there's something different about knowing in 90 minutes you could have your hands on a trophy and, you know, I guess that just maybe changes the teams. And, and what, what Emma Hayes said was right. Arsenal wanted it more. Um, but also tactically, you know, their midfield was excellent. Kim Little was just defies belief sometimes. Um, she was absolutely incredible. Walty was kind of floating a bit, which I thought was great. It, it, she was giving space for the likes of Kim Little during, say, goal kicks. We've seen in the past, particularly against Man City, the shaky goal kicks at the back where they're trying to play it out from the back and you're kind of getting... As an Arsenal fan, you've, you're probably looking pretty stressed if you're watching that. So they actually dominated the space really well. The work they did off the ball was really, really good. And then, you know, coming looking at 1v1 battles, Arsenal were generally coming out on top um, of those as well. So it felt like all across the pitch... Arsenal were just winning all those little little battles, which then, of course, changes the mentality, doesn't it? It makes you feel like, OK, we've got this. We've got them pegged back here. And I'm, you know, delighted for Stina Blacksenius. I've been, I've really felt for her this whole season. And I've, I feel like it was, she just needed time. She loves Conte Cup. Look at her, scoring in extra time in the semi-final and then scoring in a final. She had the ball in the back of the net a second time as well. It ended up being offside, but it was a really good takedown and finish as well. So stuff like that will give her huge confidence. Caitlin Ford was phenomenal. Um, should have had a penalty um, as well. So it, it actually could have been could have been worse for Chelsea. Um, so that will give Arsenal huge confidence. Kim Little spoke beforehand about the last time they won it. It, it gave them that confidence to go on and win again. And, you know, maybe it will have that because they need that if they want to get Champions League. They need that winning drive. Well, I think it definitely came at the right time for Arsenal. I think... Um you know, to me, it felt like a bit of a quick win. I mean, obviously, you've got the the FA Cup knockout, you've got you know, the Champions League, you've got the title coming up, you've got obviously the World Cup in summer, and I think like for a team like Arsenal that have kind of struggled maybe to sort of being seen as the favourites, I think this sort of shifted the kind of mindset now that actually if they get things right tactically, and you know, we can put aside like the injuries that they've had. Let's, you know, we talk so much about the media, media and sort of losing them, but we've got to get over that. We've got to get over that fact. That is a fact, and you need to move on and, and deal with that strategically. And I think. Um, yeah, for me, I think, um, you know, 
we sort of talk about the Conti Cup and whether it's that important and out of all the cups going on, is it is it something that people are that excited about? But, I mean, we saw 19,010 people turn up at, at Selhurst Park. Apparently the atmosphere there, and you're going to correct me if I'm wrong, was, was absolutely incredible. Um, you know, and it felt like a quick win for Arsenal in the sense that, you know, they only had to win two games. Obviously, they entered the competition. Both of the teams entered the competition in the quarterfinal stages because they're in the Champions League. And then to go on and sort of see this as like the first quick bit of silverware they could kind of nick just to kind of build confidence. I mean, they've got, they're facing Liverpool on, on Wednesday, which I think another another game that they should be, um, you know, easily wrapping up, hopefully getting some uh, some decent goals uh, goals up there as well. So, yeah, I feel like, you know, going forwards now, it's definitely, I mean, it was heating up before, but this is just really escalated things. I think this whole, like, is the Conte Cup that big a deal? It's easy to say when you don't win it, um, but it's silverware. And, you know, when we look at, talking about the treble or the quadruple or whatever you need to win that trophy in order for that to happen you know so it is important it's it's silverware it does a lot for a team in terms of confidence um teams aren't going to care how they win it but getting their hands on silverware if you you know back in January kind of early February you might have looked at Arsenal and said they could actually come away with nothing they could come away with no Champions League and no trophies this season and that's pretty disastrous regardless of what's happened off the pitch um so I think, yeah, actually massive deal, I think, for them to get their hands on whatever that silverware is. And I think for them, the Conte Cup is, you know, it's important. I mean, right, now that the Conte Cup is well and truly wrapped up. We've got to move our attentions back onto the WSL. Um, some tasty games happening this weekend. But I mean, the title race, the the way that the top of the table is looking at the moment. I mean, it's, pre- it's pretty bloody spicy. I mean, Man United, Man City now creeping into the first and second spots. Obviously, uh, Chelsea and Arsenal have, have those games in hand, given that they were in the Conti Cup final this uh, this weekend. But now I think the mentality shifted. It's a visual thing now for Chelsea and Arsenal looking up. And I think it's a very rare situation that, that we've had. I mean, you know, Man United still applying the pressure this weekend, um, you know, by keeping up that, that winning mentality that they've got I mean 5-1 against Leicester I mean they're expected to win that game but that's a really you know we've got this we are doing everything we're supposed to be doing yeah we conceded one goal and Mary Epps is a little bit fuming about that and rightly so but I mean Russo I mean just a just a cheeky little hat trick just a cheeky little hat trick for this weekend um but they looked on flying form and I think now you know I mean the big game this weekend obviously with, with them facing Chelsea is going to be pretty tasty um yeah did you manage to catch the man united leicester game so yeah i was kind of watching listening en route to the other match and um of course look back over it as well i think i know where i'd rather be if i was a team i'd rather be leading the pack than chasing so even if you do have those games in hand i'd much rather have the games won and be sitting at the top and watching the other teams do what they have to do um rather than saying oh i've got two or three games in hand it'll be fine um so you're right there is like a different mentality side to it um yeah look we expected man united to win to be honest there's no kind of huge surprise that they beat leicester um but i think going into the the chelsea united game that just gives them that extra edge especially with chelsea having lost that match man united are going to be you know rubbing their hands looking at that fixture and thinking okay we need extra things we need extra edges against chelsea often that's the case it's just that chelsea have that extra edge more often to just finish out games and i think for united they will take whatever they can just to give them that extra one percent so i think you know we'll see how chelsea get on against brighton of course, there's a lot going on at Brighton this week as well with Jens Schuer stepping down, which we'll get on to. But, you know, 
you don't even know how that game's going to go. When a team's in crisis, sometimes they rally together. So for Chelsea, this is a difficult week. Um, and I think Man United, with the form they're in, the goals they're scoring, yeah, I know it's against Leicester, but it's important for them to be banging in goals and to be sharp in front of goal, especially going into a game against Chelsea. So it's it's going to be huge. It's the confidence from Man United. And I think it's the consistency as well. They've been one of the most consistent teams this season and I think uh, you're, you're completely right I think it is those one and two percenters and I think having that midweight game for obviously coming off the back of the you know not winning the, the Conti Cup and being a bit complacent getting an absolute bollock in for your manager and then having a, a midweek special that you've got to then contend with is going to be um, that's an uphill battle for me for Sunday and I think both of those teams know how important and how vital that game is and I think the pressure is slightly more on Chelsea because I think they are the ones that everyone's obviously pitched to kind of you know take the title away but for Man United Everyone's just impressed with what what they've been doing this season, but I wouldn't be surprised if Man United pick up the points or at least going to say to a draw. Um, I don't need to ask you who you think's going to win, do I? Uh, I mean, if I'm going to be really fair, I still I obviously think it's going to be a pretty hefty battle between both, but I do think it it could be a draw, and I think that doesn't tell us either way which way the uh, the league's going to go this year. Um, Makes it more yeah. exciting though, and I think as well you got to you got to factor in the game on Wednesday against Brighton. You know, I feel like you can't really. You don't really know where Chelsea's heads are at until you see that. Mm -hmm. So it makes it maybe a little bit trickier to call. But I agree with you. I think, you know, they're, they're probably in their best position to take points off them. 100%. I think this is uh, the, the most weakened Chelsea side that we could potentially see on, on Sunday. Dare I say it. And weakened mentally, which is always what we credit them for. Absolutely. But, I mean, if Emma Hayes gave me a bollocking, I would sure as shit start sharpening uh, my, myself <laughs> up for the weekend. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Have you been in that position before where you've had like a, ba like a bad game or something's not gone the way you expect and you have to go into another big game? Like, where's the head at? Do you need that manager bollocking? Do you, or do you need to be told that you need to get your stuff together or does the team just kind of like rally? I think yeah, it goes one of two ways. It either goes, yeah, we have to we have to literally pull our socks up and get our asses in gear, and this game it has to be our comeback. Or alternatively, you take a bollock in, you don't take it well, you, your head goes down, and you're like, well, sod this, doesn't really matter. What the hell? Like, I hate so, football anyway. <laughs> yeah, I never wanted to play anyway. What the hell? I'm retiring. Um, but yeah, no, I think well, obviously that's a, a less professional attitude, and I'm assuming that most of the squad in uh, in, yeah. in the Chelsea camp will be thinking, okay, we need to you know buck our ideas up here because this one is um well this could be the title decider so yeah big big game this weekend but uh yeah looking forward to covering that on on next tuesday because um yeah i just um i mean i could be i might actually i might actually just uh, dress in a man united kit if I, <laughs> I might i might just turn up to the pod with a man united kit but who knows um next up i mean man city man city spurs uh man city obviously taking the points away 3-1 against spurs with a with a beautiful sure hat trick i mean I mean, 13 goals this season for this kid. I mean, she is absolutely firepower, full force. And I think she's obviously been, you know, credit to her. She's been a massive part of, you know, why, why Taylor's side are doing so well. Um, 100th game in charge for him and 73rd win. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we do give him we do give him a lot of shit on the uh, on the pod. And, uh, we don't. We haven't really this season, to be fair. Not, not as much as last season. We've calmed down a little bit. But, um, I mean, he... <sighs> He's clearly listening to the pod, clearly taken on board all the points that we've been saying over the past year and a half, and uh, he's really turned it around. So, Gareth, if you're you're listening, you're welcome. Yeah, congratulations and uh, keep listening, actually, mate. Yeah. Because um, you know the season's welcome. Yeah. Down to um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, the win saw City go up to second in the WSL. 
obviously because Chelsea and Arsenal didn't play and they've got those games in hand but they've now won more games and earned more points than any other WSL team since the beginning of October I mean they've still got some pretty hefty fixtures lined up with Chelsea, Arsenal and United um, but yeah Rach what are your thoughts on uh, yeah I mean obviously they're sitting in seconds now uh, we can't we can't ignore them anymore as, as, as title contenders I mean I, I don't think we've been ignoring them in terms of the top three I think we always thought they'd be pushing but I do think we need to stop saying that they're flying under the radar or not getting the credit because we seem, not just us, but it seems to be the line that's plugged for the last few months. And you can't keep saying they're flying under the radar for months and months because they're obviously quite clearly on the radar if you're saying that. So for me, I think we need to move away from that um, because I think we always knew that it was going to be a tight top four. Um, And it's so interesting this season because not just for the top teams, but when you look at like your Spurs and teams like that, so much of this and, and how they're performing comes down to like the order of like the fixtures that they have. Like they might have two or three games in a row that just absolutely savage their their league chances or actually have come at a really good time for them. Or, you know, when you look at Man United and Man City, they didn't know Chelsea and Arsenal were going to be in the final of the Conte Cup. That's actually... A really good that's come at a good time for them because it just allows them to take that next step and another leap up the table. Um, so it's really interesting. It feels like not just obviously what's going on on the pitch is brilliant, but there's so many other like little factors that are contributing to how the table might be shaping up or how a team might be performing. So it just makes it all the more exciting. Bunny Shaw, I mean, what can you say about her? She must be one of the most informed strikers at the moment. Um, she clearly has her eye on that golden boot. I've loved it going back and forth between her and Daly um, so far this season, but it looks like she's she's really taken a big step now um, in terms of that. And it's she's been absolutely key for Man City and, and their, their dominance this season. Yeah, and I think like you were saying, Rach, I mean, it's... The, the timing of this game, I think, has been so crucial. Because I think, obviously, with, you know, how Spurs have been doing, I mean, they've just come off the back of, you know, seven consecutive losses. I mean, Coppella, I think I've got to give a shout out to Coppella because I think she would look like the only player in that squad who appreciated that they were in and around relegation. I mean, the saves that she pulled out were absolutely outstanding. And I think, obviously, you know, Spurs taking the lead, it was, I mean, it was against the run of the game. It was against the, the, great, the grain of the sand. Don't know, I don't know the one. <laughs> There's a sand theme thing going on here. The, it's against it the grain of the wood, isn't it? Like the, if you go against the grain of the wood, this is becoming a different type of podcast now where we're getting into the nitty gritty of, of, of sayings and allegories and stuff. But, um, I actually think it's because I'm doing quite a lot of DIY at the moment. That's it. A lot of that's it is it. Like sanding and grains and things like yeah. that. We digress. Um, but yeah, I mean, playing Spurs at this time when there's, there's such a weak inside, so lacking in confidence, not scoring goals. Um, and yeah, to walk away with the points this weekend, from them was, was outstanding but yeah massive shout out to Coppella because I think um, yeah if it wasn't for her it would have been an even more embarrassing scoreline but another example there of Spurs they get in there these new players I think it's we're going to turn things around and then they get hit with Chelsea Man United Man City and it's just like get back down don't get too excited <laughs> so it's like it's just like such bad timing those those fixtures and um, so yeah I just I do feel for them in some sense and I think when we talk about and we, not that we write teams off but we're so used to this league being decided not early on but you know you can't lose that many games in the WSL it's just been so ingrained in our heads over the seasons but now that there's more teams pushing, there's more teams pushing up, there's more teams getting dragged into relegation. You know, you never know where teams are going to pick up or lose points. We kind of need to move away from that thing of, oh, they lost a couple of games at the beginning of the season. 
this could be really defining. Actually, I think the, the, the league is changing now and it can continue, as we're seeing, it continue to be any of the four teams could win the WSL now. And you're looking at maybe three or four teams that could still get relegated. So I guess it's those snap judgments we're used to making right early on we need to stop doing. Yeah, but it makes it so much more dramatic at the start of the season <laughs> in September where we're like, oh God, they've lost four games on the bounce. They're having an absolute shitter. There's no way. And then all of a sudden, Man City come out of the blocks and they're running along alongside. And then all of a sudden, they, yeah, like you said, they walk away with the title and no one, well, we didn't see it at the start. But we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. But another team having a slightly controversial, not great weekend. Uh, Brighton obviously losing Yen Shua um, by mutual consent. Uh, he was only in charge for six matches, hasn't won a WSL game, so not, not a great record, but not really a lot of time to really bed in and actually, you know, start implementing any of the changes that, that he wanted to see. So, I mean, obviously they come off the back of, you know, bad results, including a defeat, uh, 3-0 defeat at the bottom of the table, Leicester, uh, 6-2 smashing against Aston Villa, not great. Um, but yeah, from what I can kind of, there's not a load of information on it, but I think from what we can kind of understand, I mean, departure sort of seems to come across um, as there being concerns in, in the camp. Uh, sources saying that players seem to be unhappy with the way they were spoken to or about things you know going on in the training ground I mean Rachel have you sort of heard any more at all I've not heard any more but I'd you know I'd heard those inklings before even came in so you do wonder not how much due diligence but like you know, we saw similar with uh, Jean-Louis Fasseur, um, where he was kind of labelled this serial winner because he come from Lyon. But actually, you need to do a bit more delving into that because Lyon kind of went off the tracks a little bit um, after he came in. And, you know, you got to factor in the players that they had there. So it's just that kind of... I'd heard inklings of that before Jens Schuer came in, um, but still a very big surprise. You know, and I know they hadn't won a WSL game, but I only think they played about three or four since he came in you know one of them got postponed and one of them he drew with Villa which was a big surprise so um yeah not great not great for Brighton and they did take a while to bring in someone else you know I mean it was maybe two or three months I mean Amy Merrick's had more games under her belt as the interim manager than than Jens Schuert did um so yeah not great not a great and not another another blow for Brighton this season um so yeah they'll need, I'd, I hope Amy Merrick's gets gets given the, the reins for the rest of the season, to be honest. Yeah, a little bit unsettling um, as we head towards the end of the season. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, Amy Merrick's back in charge now. She, uh, she had, the, yeah, had the job for nearly three months after trying to find a successor for, for Hope Powell. But um, yeah, we'll see what kind of impact uh, it has on the squad going forwards. Uh, obviously not, not an easy game on, uh, on tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. But um, yeah, big boots to fill, big boots to fill, all of six games in charge. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they bring in. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Today, I'm joined by Brighton's Emma Coolberry and Julia Zigiotti. Both from Sweden, they joined Brighton last summer, and while putting in impressive performances on the pitch since then, they've never been afraid to use their platform to speak out on issues off the pitch, both as a couple and as part of their national team. I wanted to speak to them about that, the spate of strikes across teams involved in this summer's World Cup, and some of their idols in women's football. Well, welcome to the pod, both. Thank you so much for joining us ahead of uh, International Women's Day. Um, Great to have you on to kind of explore the importance of, you know, the visibility of, of strong female athletes and, and the progress of the game. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Nice to be here. Um, I mean, you know, you've already achieved a lot, you know, with so much with your clubs and with Sweden and you've played on the biggest stages. What what kind of impact has the success of the Swedish national team had on, you know, women and girls back home? Have you had people come up to you and, and maybe say, I'm, I'm back playing football or I want to play for Sweden someday? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people like when you just walk around the streets and like, oh my god, can I have a picture and stuff like that. So that's crazy when you think about it. <laughs> Has that been a big change, do you think, over over the years? Uh, yeah, of course. Like a lot of younger girls and boys like can like watch women's football. And it's a couple of years ago you couldn't watch that like on TV and stuff, and that was very visible. So yeah, and you know your own pathways into football. What brought you to, to where you are now? You're obviously playing in, in one of the best leagues in women's football. Um, what Talk us through your journey into to that. I grew up in like wanting to play football because my big brother wanted it. Um, and then it's like when I was a kid, I said, like, oh, I want to play in the national team. And as the women's game got bigger, like you just dream bigger. And, oh, I want to play in this club. Oh, I want to play in this league. And... Now we're playing in the one of the best leagues in the world, and like it's a, it's it has been a dream come true, of course. Did you have any idols yourself growing up? Uh, my mom was Marta, and I played with her. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually I did, so that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, she was one of them uh, that I looked up to. And if you think about it now, the kind of the players that fans have to look up to as well and it's not just you know stars in maybe other countries but every country pretty much has has stars for for young people to look up to yeah no it's crazy like there's so many good players right now and like like sometimes you play with them in Sweden and sometimes you play against them now 
that we play in England. So like it's it's very cool to like yeah to be in this where the women's game had got so big. And you know the women's game is also a great kind of open welcoming place. Obviously, you know you both play at Brighton together. Um, how proud of you are you to be able to play as a couple in in the same team? That must have been really special when uh, when Brighton came came knocking to bring you both in. Like we always say that we are like two individuals on the pitch, um, but it's always like um, it feels very safe to have like each other all the time we understand each other can help each other on and off the pitch um but like it feels uh i think i can speak for both of us but like <laughs> you feel much um not maybe stronger um when when i have julia by my side um but also i think it's like you feel more like safe and like you can be more of yourself because I have someone back, like backing me up. Um, when I got home, like if I had a bad game, like I can always turn to her and she can always help me. Um, so it's yeah, it's been really good and like it's not so often we can play in the same team when we have this job. So yeah, it's it's been really good. So yeah, I guess we were talking about the openness. I guess we see in in the women's game. It's something that I'm I'm really proud of as someone who covers the game. But you know, looking at the wider football landscape. What do you make of the growing number of international teams going on strike or kind of losing key players because they want to, to step down in protest of, of the conditions? I don't know. Like, it shouldn't be like that. Um, I think we as women always stand up for what we believe in. And, like, sometimes we just have to put the foot down and, like, show them that we deserve more. Um, and I think it's, like, I'm really proud of, like, us in Sweden that we do many things with our national team to stand up for women's game um, and like the other teams I I feel sorry for them that they have to do it but I understand why they do it as well. Yeah I do remember in um, 2017 the Swedish national team they had uh, they replaced the names on the back of their shirts with quotes from prominent Swedish women as part of the, a campaign to inspire um, young people and, and kind of show them that they can reach their, their dreams which I thought was really cool. Sweden it feels like the Swedish team is always a team willing to, to stand up and speak. And we obviously saw that as well um, when you spoke out about the potential Visit Saudi sponsor at the at the World Cup. How, as a squad, how do you kind of come to, the, to these decisions? Like, of course, our captain, Caroline Seeger, and she all, like, almost every time has, like, like we we get help from each other, I think, and like it's it's a very easy group because we all believe that we deserve better and like we have pretty similar values of everything. Um, so I think we as a group, like it's not even a question. It's just like yeah, of course we we're gonna do it. Um, yeah. And Emma, we saw um, Aslani as well saying she would wear that that one love armband at the World Cup as well, like kind of regardless. Um, of potential sanctions now I think FIFA have come out and said that it's allowed but for you it must make you really proud of, of a, a captain to have to have someone like that willing to stand up and I guess the whole team for those values um, yes of course and like as as Julia said we are how to say like a strong team and we we know what we want and where we want to go and it's sad sometimes that we need to do it but like it's like um, so 
yeah so i'm just like proud of us as a team that we we do uh what we think is the right thing and then we can stand up for that because of of course it's special to, to pull on the the sweden jersey but not only are you representing your country but you're speaking out about really important issues and i think we see that a lot with not just female footballers but female athletes as well um we see a lot of strong voices and players willing to to use their platform um it's it must be like an added level of pride right because not only are you representing your country and playing the sport you love but you're actually potentially then impacting other people's lives using your platforms yeah i think like it's important when you have a platform to stand on that you show what you think is right and i think we as footballers and us as a national like the swedish national team like if we have this platform why not use it to help the world gets better and like help people who doesn't have it as good as us why do you think female athletes are so good at that <laughs> it's a hard question but i think like this we like women's athlete hasn't have it have, haven't had it as easy as men's maybe uh, and i think like we come up to this point where we're getting their paid and like everything uh, and i think we just like we're not happy with just a little thing like we want more and more and more and that's how it always should be and i think as well yeah. it's it's something special that yeah you know of course you've got your national team you work together on that but we often see where players from different clubs will come together around issues you know your rivals on the pitch but also equally together you you will fight for these important issues whether that's wearing armbands or taking the knee or or whatever that might be there's like a collective within the women's game that makes it really powerful yeah yeah i think we as women we understand what other players and people are going through and like we'll try to help as much as we can and yes stand for the values we think should be like yeah and it's pretty cool that like you can see that we like off the pitch um as athletes are working so hard together but you're also even coming out and speaking as a couple you know that's a pretty powerful thing to do you know and it's you're just being yourselves but actually it has such a a wider impact that maybe you don't see yeah yeah of course like if we weren't footballers no one would have cared cared if we were together or not and so like it's pretty cool that we can have this and show off that like it's okay like it's no problems you can be at the same job be together and work it out uh, so yeah it is pretty cool when you think about it <laughs> i think as someone who covers the game and who is part of the lgbtq community i think if i was a kid or younger that kind of exposure and visibility would have had such an impact so i guess you may not realize it but uh it does it does have a really big impact so um yeah you should be very proud of of that um one more question for both of you what would you say to people who say you should just stick to football they should just stick to themselves then <laughs> <laughs> i'm me as a person i'm not going to stop being me just because one person don't think i can be me if it bothers you don't look at it like yeah. i can't help you <laughs>
All right, Rach. Jobs in the bag. Jobs in the bag. Where, where are you this weekend? Uh, well, I'm doing Arsenal versus Liverpool tomorrow and then heading to <laughs> Brighton, um, who are playing Man City. Oh, God, at the weekend, I'll be doing those interviews afterwards. So that will be an interesting one. Uh, where am I? I am you? in Sheffield. I'm in Sheffield away. Um, they had a good result, didn't they? Yeah, mm. I mean, Sheffield not been doing too well in the championship uh, this season. Uh, so you might actually get a chance to pick up some, some points at home. And obviously, it being an overnighter, it's always nice when you have a nice, friendly, positive coach journey back uh, with the squad. So as long as they keep it down, I mean, the music on the back of the bus is absolutely it's shocking. And I just oh, don't it's not Buble, it. is it? It's not Buble, and I just I don't understand what they're saying in the lyrics anymore. I've just got that. I've just got too Such old. a grandma. <laughs> this is why I retired. It wasn't injuries. It was just the lack of you know being able to really um, join in, speak to the youth anymore. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Upfront, and thanks again to Emma and Julia for joining us. Uh, if you've got any questions for us, tweet us at Football Ramble. Uh, Rach is at Girls on the Ball, and I am at Morgie underscore eighty nine. We will see you next week. Upfront is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.